Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu nasalli ala Rasulihil Kareem amma ba'd. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we are doing Surah Al-Ma'un. Fire away, Surah number 107. Alrighty, so Surah Al-Ma'un uh, is a Makki Surah. Um, and it literally means small gifts. Um, Ayah 1 translates, according to the writer, as have you not seen him who denies the requital? Um, and the writer mentions how this is pretty much a preamble regarding those who deny the religion as well as the day of judgment. And so the sins mentioned in this surah are to be ones that are committed by non-believers as well as hypocrites. Um, and then these like the characteristics that these individuals hold include turning away from the orphan, which is mentioned in ayah number two. Um, so that includes like insulting, oppressing, um, or like just being unkind to them, um, as well as failing to feed the poor, um, even if they have the needs to, um, which is pretty much discussed in ayah number three. And then praying in public and not in private, only for others to see, which is what is discussed in ayah number four through six. And this last example describes how the hypocrite, um, how the hypocrites act in regards to they will simply pray, even if it's outside of the designated time, simply to demonstrate that they are praying in front of others. Um, and the preposition in the surah, um, which translates as neglectful of their prayer is significant because it shows us that they are neglectful of the very concept of salah um, and it's not referring to unintentional errors that people can make um, because if it was referring to the unintentional errors people can sometimes make the phrase would have been which translates as in their prayers and then the surah concludes with verse number seven, which translates to, and they like refuse to give small gifts. Um, Ma'un literally means smaller or petty thing, according to the writer. And so in this surah, it's referring to small household items. Um, and so the, the writer mentions how anyone who's unwilling to lend such items is a, is a mean and is a mean individual. And so Ma'un, according to many here, is referring to zakah because it's only 2.5% of a person's entire wealth. And um, traditions that believe Ma'un refers to household items like pots and pans show that if a person is reluctant to give away those items, how are they gonna be willing to give 2.5% of their wealth to others? Um, and the, action, the actions mentioned in this surah are um, seen as extremely sinful, but uh, in the wake of kufr, they are even more aggravating because they are characteristics that attract eternal doom uh, or hellfire. And then I wrapped up there. There are a few like questions I had um, that I can also jump into right now. Um, so in regards to the first ayah, the, the writer translates Dean as, as requital. So does Dean have multiple meanings here that the author used requital referring to like somebody giving something in return? Is that what? So because it's al-Dean, 
it's probably referring primarily to the Day of Judgment, right? Uh, nevertheless, Dean in itself is compensation or recompense. And so we, we call it the Day of Judgment because of English language convention. You know, just like using the term angel, uh, that's English language convention or, or prophet uh, or messenger. Prophet or messenger fits with Nabi and Rasul. But uh, with the point being that uh, a lot of the terminology we use in English is, is grandfathered in literally from, from Christianity in lesser degree Judaism. And, and so one huge way, one huge aspect is in how we speak of the Day of Judgment. So if we were to speak of Yom Adin, then it's actually the Day of Recompense. Yom Qiyama would be what? It'd be, yeah. like the, it'd be like the Day of Standing, even though when we think of Qiyama, we think of like just, you know, cataclysm and such. Yeah. Right. Yom yeah. So like in Arabic, you would say, like, if you want someone to get up, you'd say like, which is yeah, exactly exactly yeah and and so you know when when everyone is going to be in unquestioned standing and so and then yom al-hashar it's another one the day of gathering and and so day of judgment uh, seems to be used far less but our convenience we we use that because even there's different parts of the day of judgment one one part is where everyone's paying everybody back, you know, and that's, Yom, that's the Yom Adin aspect. Another part is where we're being held to account for all the choices we made before Allah Ta'ala. So it's kind of like you're paying everybody back first, and then, and then you're going through your accounting. And then you have, of course, crossing the bridge and it's like these are three different accountings. And so, so yeah. What were so you saying? In regards to the different parts, when you mentioned like uh, the first part is like people are paying others back, would yeah. they would they be paying them back with their like good sins? Or uh, well, good the, not with their good sins, but yeah, with their good deeds. Yeah. Yeah, with their good deeds. Um, and then being held accountable by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then eventually crossing the bridge, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And those are like the three the three parts of uh essentially, I mean, prior to all that, there's the resurrection where we're all lost and and you have this giant crowd of all of humans trying to figure out what to do. And then someone gets the idea, let's go talk to Adam salam, maybe he can help us. And he's like, Sorry, I can't help you. And then he sends us to Nuh, he sends to Ibrahim, and then so forth and so on. Until we get to the Prophet and the Prophet does this sajda that seems to last for about a week. Mm. He just remains in such So imagine waiting, you know, for a week. You know. mm. And and then he gets up, you know, whenever Allah Ta'ala instructs him to get up. <clears throat> and that seems to begin uh, the arrival of Allah Ta'ala. So Allah Ta'ala has arrived, you know, on the throne, whatever that means. But essentially throne and hand are often referring to power and majesty or majesty and power. Yeah, and and so then, um, and then somewhere there, the accounting process begins, where everybody pays everybody back. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to one of um, Ustav Murphy's uh, podcasts the other day, and he was mentioning how um, 
you know, those individuals who pass away in Medina and, you know, are like are buried there are, are to be considered very lucky because on the day of judgment, they'll be in the same city and near the prophet, peace be upon him. So <laughs> they only got to walk like a, like a couple miles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least they don't have to cross any oceans. This is true. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so Araita uh, literally is have you seen and Rai uh, yeah, relates to consideration. So have you considered and you know, Alevi, you have the one who denies this this recompense. Mm-hmm. So it's basically saying, I don't need to worry about my interactions with other people. Yeah. yeah. You have more questions? Um, yeah. Um, is there um, are the characteristics here that are mentioned of like the non-believers and, and the hypocrites in regards to like turning away from the orphan, um, failing to feed like the poor and like praying in public simply for other people to um, see them? Are those characteristics the ones that are like mostly despised by God? Is that why like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions them in the surah or? So, I mean, um, yeah, it works as an explanation. I would say part of it is that uh, all of these, they're doing sort of like the reverse of what they're supposed to be doing. So, Uh, when the orphans are coming, you're supposed to be taking care of them and being gentle with them and all of that. And these guys are pushing them away. I mean, imagine doing that with a little kid, even a kid who has parents, but this is an orphan who has no one to take care of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, try to even comprehend the experience of an orphan. I mean, what is their worldview? I was having a conversation the other day with with a friend with another student who um, in in the brief time when I was in Cairo, uh, we were traveling to, to see to see some sites. And on the way, we saw this whole street of rug-making schools. And a friend of mine who had already been there, uh, he said, those are sweatshops. But they're called schools for like the tax benefit or so that the government you know, leaves them alone. And it'll be like, for example, one hour of schooling and 15 hours of rug making. Hmm. When you're a kid, one thing about a kid is, you know, kids, they don't complain. You know, when you catch them at that perfect age. And as orphans, they got no place to go back to, so they just take this as, as normal. Subhanallah. And then also, <clears throat> there's the giant market on Al Khalili, which is next to the Sultan Hussein Mosque, Sultan Hussein Mosque. And then there's this courtyard where there's this restaurant. You have all these little kids, little kids selling jewelry or selling bread. And those kids selling bread, their faces all have black on them and such from the soot. And they literally look like the kids you'd imagine in Oliver Twist or something like that. And uh, I'm guessing part of the reason they're orphans is because their parents have died, but perhaps more often it's because they've been kidnapped. And they're all Muslims. Yeah. They're, um, I know, like, 
this is like briefly like mentioned in like the Islamic paradigm of like one's like not supposed to touch the inheritance or the money of, of yeah. the orphan, mm-hmm. um, which kind of reminds me of uh, subhanAllah, like it's still, I think, very common like throughout the world, especially like in the Muslim world, like you'll see in Palestine, there are a lot of like organizations that will like fund orphans or like give money to orphanages. But if you actually go visit, they don't have any of the resources that you would think the money would provide them with. We'll see like the people at the top with, you know, the nicest homes and they'll have really nice cars. Um, And then the, the kids will just be like one meal every few days if they're lucky, barely have any clothes on their back. So it's yeah. very interesting how it, it's still still yeah. relevant in society. Yeah. And so so you can see the the condition, the true condition of a community based on how they treat their orphans or how they treat orphans. And and so for example, this is one place where the evangelical community is very strong. Hmm. It's super common among evangelicals to see people who either are foster parents or they're they're adoptive parents. And, you know, what's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't adopt kids is they're, they're compared about like mental health issues, especially if the kid is older. And you'll see so often in evangelical families, you know, and I'm talking the right wing Trump supporting evangelical families, they will still be adopting children, whether they're children who are refugees from overseas or, or just local kids or, uh, or what have you. And yeah. And uh, uh, I wonder if that's one reason why they are, you know, for all their dysfunction, they're, you know, in some ways on top in society, right? Yeah. It's because of the way they take care of orphans. SubhanAllah. I think that's that's such a strong point because I feel like a lot of like right-winged individuals are like that. I like it. at my Catholic high school, there were 72 girls in my graduating class mm-hmm. and about eight of us were adopted. Wow. Yeah. Like three of my closest friends from high school, uh, they one's from China, another one's from Russia. And then the third one was uh, a domestic adoption. Wow. And they're all adopted by these religious, these religious Catholic families. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then also it's not like they're their only child. Like they have like eight other yes. kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I did a, uh, a wedding and a, a couple of months ago where the groom was a convert. And the bride uh, was Catholic. Mm-hmm. And so I'm meeting the bride's parents and stuff. And the, the bride's father's like, yeah, that's my daughter. That's my daughter. That's my daughter. And they're all completely different races. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the recent, yeah. the newest Supreme Court justice. Two of her kids are from Haiti. Oh, I've never seen some photos and people are making some comments. So yeah, that illustrates it right there. Mm-hmm. And so here... I mean, so, so here you, so what we're speaking about is the best case scenario where you're taking them in and taking care of them, right? <laughs> Zero would be that you just don't do anything. And then this is like negative. They're doing the opposite. They're pushing them aside. Yeah. So in, in regards to the Islamic paradigm, would the best answer be then to like foster kids, would you say? So, I mean, adoption, uh, the key issue, uh, uh, a lot of times back to the issue of like terminology, we say adoptions is prohibited, but what's prohibited is cutting off the relationships with their with their parents. That's what's prohibited. Yeah. Mm. So adoption in American society 
is is a, a legal category, a tax category, you know. So, so it's basically saying now you are responsible for 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 this person, as opposed to the government being responsible, or as opposed to the other other original parents being responsible. Yeah. And that would be Islamically. As long as as long as the parents are still given all of their rights, from an American legal perspective, it's perfectly fine to adopt them. And so if the parents are no longer alive or they're un... If you can't, then, you know, you, you do what you can. So yeah. you may not even know your child's, your adoptive child's last name. Yeah. Ideally, you discuss the whole process with the parents. The child keeps the father's last name or the father's name, what have you. And sometimes it's not possible. Yeah. So mm -hmm. adoption in the American context uh, from an Islamic perspective, it's perfectly fine as long as you don't strip the parents of their rights. That's the key issue. Yeah. So mm -hmm. Zaid bin Muhammad had to change his name back to Zaid bin Hadifa. Everything else was the same about the relationship. So Zaid bin Hadifa was was the prophet's servant, you know. And then the story is that um, some of his family members recognized him, and. And then his dad is like, hey, well, you can come back with us. And they just like, no one's going to take care of me like this guy does, like, like Muhammad does. Yeah. Stay with him. And then the prophet says, you know, then I'm going to name you Zayd bin Muhammad. And then the prophet later on gets corrected. You know. And there's more complications to that because also uh, Zayd, who is a servant, was married to Zainab. Zainab came from a higher class. You know, higher social class and the marriage wasn't working. And, and so uh, and the profit piece on the side, so after they split up, the profit piece on the side of America. And so there's a second reason for why the IS came down. It's multiple at the same time. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, so one of the big things they're doing wrong is, is literally pushing aside orphans. And like I said, the, they're literally orphans. They're literally in any society, the lowest class, the most vulnerable people of society. So, in our society, you know, we have all kinds of racial classes and such and such, you know, and various marginalized population. But at the end of the day, the most marginalized population is the population of orphans. And and we gotta give uh, America some credit for for all of its problems with the DCFS system. It's still this huge organized system, you know, taking care of kids. Yeah, yeah. My friend who's from uh, China, so they I I don't know um, like what the specific organization like how or who is in charge of, of bringing them here, but they organized it really well where they sent five um, girls from the same orphanage to the United States um, and they kept the families in touch with one another. Wow. So she calls them her five, her four sisters. Yeah. And when we were juniors in, in high school, she and all her four other sisters went with their parents to the orphanage in the town where they were born. Wow. Um, and so until today, she like still keeps in touch with them and she's, she's visited her hometown and such. So mm. also kudos to her parents for just keeping in touch with them for so yeah. long. But that's, they have like baby amazing. pictures together. Like, I was like, it's very interesting. Wow. Yeah, so. Yeah, so in our society, you know, we don't see it much, but we have a whole lot of Muslim refugees, kids that are, you know, being raised by, by the same families.
being converted into into Christianity. Yeah, that's. Um, have you ever read the book Mornings in Janine? No, I feel like I've heard of it. What's that about? Yeah, so it's it's a it's about like just like the situation in Palestine in regards to like the the massacre that occurred in Janine and such. And there was like a, a narrative about how there were these two twin Palestinian baby boys um, who during one of the raid, um, a soldier just picked one up um, and took him to like the Israeli side. Um, and there was a, an Israeli couple, I think it actually might've been his wife who they were trying to have kids, but they, they couldn't. Um, and so they raised this, this Palestinian as an Israeli who became wow a right-winged Israeli, served in the military for a really long time. Um, and then his um, twin brother um, actually became like really involved in the Palestinian movement. He was eventually like arrested um, and he was put in the same prison his, um, his twin brother worked in. And um, he went, he went to his quote unquote, like Israeli brother. And he said, why, like, why are you so hard on me? Like you, you hit and you hurt everybody here, but why do you always target me first? Yeah. And he said, everybody here tells me that you look like me and my, my, my like fellow soldiers make fun of me because they say, look, you look like the Palestinians. Mm. Long story short, it was actually his biological brother that he oh. was that too and then i was telling the story to my aunt and she was like you know there are like real stories where that actually happened with people because i was yeah. like I don't know if it's like true or not and she was like no there are very similar stories that are that are so, true so so that's interesting so that's 2010 in 2012 there's a movie came that came out called the other son and is it a similar story so in this case um uh, uh, these two kids are born exactly at the same time, but they're accidentally switched. Mm. And so the Israeli family is marrying, is, is raising the Palestinian kid, not realizing it. And then the Palestinian family is raising the Israeli kid, and then now they're turning 18. And there's like a blood test or something. And I discover that, again, yeah, that's not my kid. They trace, they figure out, oh, this is this is such and such kid, and that's such and such kid. And now, yeah, these families have to, you know, come together and start talking and such. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still, it's still on the soft liberal end of things in the sense that, you know, people are learning to overcome their differences. And, mm -hmm. and they're sort of showing that things are, are not equal, but still, you know, you know not showing the, the disparity remotely as much as it is. Yeah. Long term things, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Huh. <sighs> Any other questions? Um, and then my final question was in regards to um, the uh, two point five percent of like do like donating of a person's wealth. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's something that's done like yearly, um, and. In that is referring to one's savings, right? So including all like unworn jewelry and gold. Correct? Yeah, basically your, your tradable assets. And, and so it wouldn't include like books or clothes, but jewelry is something that it's still bought and sold. And so mm -hmm. if it has not been worn for a year, it gets mm -hmm. included in the calculations. If it has been worn in the past year, then it doesn't get included. And so whatever, adding all that up together 
your cash and such assets, whatever was your minimum consistent balance for the whole year. You can have none of that. Okay. If it's agriculture, then it's a different measurement. <clears throat> if it is business inventory, it's a different measurement. Okay. But but, so the personal of, level, yeah. like personal items, it's 2.5. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I think those were all of my questions. So here, you know, they're continuing the point that uh, they do like this behavior is literally the opposite. Um, so you said they, they, they repulse the, the orphans, team, and then they're not urging, they don't feel the urge to, to feed the needy. So this is sort of the opposite of sympathy. Mm. Yeah. You know, what do I do with your suffering? Yeah. So it's, it's similar to just numbing yourself to the realities outside yeah. of your bubble. Pretty yeah. Much. yeah. It's basically a type of narcissism where you're just looking at yourself. Yeah. yeah. Would you say that that can, I mean, it could possibly be like unknown, correct? If like a person's just, you know, growing up in, in an environment where there's a lot of privilege and everybody around them has the same privilege. Yeah. It's different because yeah. then you don't know. That's that's the story of how Buddha's the Buddha's father raised him. Like he did not want his son to see any suffering at all. So he raised him in this compound with gardens and play and everything. And one time, one time, Gautama, his name, um, he he goes out, and then he sees suffering everywhere, and that's mm -hmm. when the whole door begins to open. Yeah, he becoming the Buddha. Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of recently, um, you know, Lori Lightfoot and her yeah. husband. Who, yeah, so her, their daughter, their younger daughter recently like did an interview um, with Jada Pickett Smith on her mm -hmm. on her Facebook show, like the Red Table Talk. And she was saying how like when the whole story broke out, she was actually very upset because she was like, what do you mean? Like, this is normal. Like all of my friends and their parents pay X amount of money to the school they want. Oh, their you're not talking about Lori Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot's a mayor of Chicago. Oh my you're God. About, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Husband. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. Lori uh, Lightfoot. The, yeah, yeah. The actress. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So it's, it's very interesting. She kind of said the same thing. And, and then Jada Pickett Smith's mother was also on the show and mm -hmm. she was talking about what makes her really upset, which, which was kind of what I was thinking the whole time is that because of the privilege she had, like a lot of people, especially people of color, if their parents committed the same crime, they would not be, be in jail. Yeah. You're right away. Yeah. yeah. So I just thought it was very interesting. It's kind of mm -hmm. like similar to that being in, yeah. in your own bubble for so yeah, long. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so in these first, uh, uh, the first quality, it's, you know, they're denying a matter of Iman, right? And the second two, it's matters of character, mm. right? And then at the end, or the next two is basically about Salah. So it's a matter of Ibadah. And they're doing the reverse here too. Your Salah is literally that time of the day where you focus on nothing but Allah, but you know, just like you said, unsalatihim sahum, that they're heedless, they're neglectful of their prayers, and 
Ladinahum Yura'un. Yura'un is the same word that Ra'eta is coming from. And so they're basically doing it to be shown, seen. Mm-hmm. So literally, prayer is supposed to be submission to Allah, and you throw the whole world behind you. And they're praying, so everyone focuses on them. It's literally, again, the inverse of what you should be doing. So it's easy to think of shirk where you're praying to something else. The believer is is uh, often very rarely ever going to get stuck in anything like shirk, right? Or open shirk. Um, this type of thing, you know, uh, can be very common. And there's this funny video in Urdu, um, this cartoon, really cheap cartoon that somebody made. It seemed like it was going to be a whole series, but I don't know if they made it anymore. Like these two guys are sitting in the back of the masjid. There's this guy just standing in prayer. And and one guy says to the other, saying, you know, I was watching this guy in prayer the other day, and, and his sajda was so long that I thought he died, so I called, I called the ambulance. Aww. And he was just in sajda. And the other guy's like, mashallah, right? And then they're, you know, they're telling other stories, and this guy starts laughing, and he goes, "I also fast." Wow! He, oh, that's skating. so funny. That's so funny. I'm pretty sure Arab stole that because I heard a very similar story. <laughs> somebody stole from somebody else. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. And again, they're like, "Mashallah." Yeah. <laughs> so. Mashallah. Yeah. So in terms of their acts of worship, they're literally doing the opposite. And then they they deny and and so they forbid these small acts. So one understanding is is of course is zakah. And 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 or the way you put it that all right, if they're not gonna give, you know, even something as basic as pots and pans, what can we expect in terms of zakah? Okay. Mm-hmm. And each of these is also a treatment. So if you look at this from the reverse, that soften a hardened heart, start giving small kindnesses. And then work on your prayers, especially in private where nobody can see. Try to be vigilant about your prayers. And then with whatever capacity you have, feed the needy. And especially if you have the capability with your orphans. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think every Muslim should put that on their bucket list that they're going to take care of orphans in some capacity. If not a physical orphan in front of them, they're going to adopt an orphan overseas. But now that you've told about the, the, the scams of, orphan, of overseas orphanages. Um, yeah i mean there's definitely a perk for the internet and technology but with that comes its consequences as well mm-hmm. yeah, and then yeah. this other is to really consider the fact that you're going to be held to account for all of your interactions so the suda is not only listing out the uh, the sicknesses of behavior but it's also listing out the treatments too yeah um that that reminds me like um there was like another um roots podcast that i was listening to where ustad murphy mentions how like if you want to kind of like detach yourself from like the kind of being like 
living in this life as if it's going to be forever, just like donate money and like, see like how it'll come back to you. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's kind of like letting go of what you have and, you know, being okay with it and Mm -hmm. seeing how you feel afterwards. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Any other questions? Um, that is it on my end. Okay, cool. Inshallah. Then we will continue next time. Let me just make sure my calendar says that we are good. Here we are good, inshallah. Inshallah. All right. Alrighty. All right. I'll tell Rory for, for, for this. This is good work. And then we'll do Surah 106, inshallah, next time. Inshallah. Salam. Bye.